From Creative Force, I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. For this episode of the show, we welcome back my esteemed colleague at Creative Force, Adam Parker, to talk a little bit about the forthcoming chapters of his KPI guide for studios. These chapters focus on building reports, not only for the studio, but for outside key stakeholders as well. What and how you report your studio data in a quarterly senior leadership meeting is quite different from the reports you may need day to day. We also talk a little bit about how we can make sure that we're presenting the correct and relevant information to the people that need it. Be humble. Don't assume that you know everything going into this. So talk to other people. You know, don't do this in a silo. When you come up with some reporting and you think it's solid, go talk to someone who's maybe been at the company longer. Please be sure to check out Adam's KPI guide at creativeforce.io slash KPI dash guide, where you will find a wealth of information about how to think about goals, KPIs, and reporting, and how to build a foundation that will help you make better decisions for your studio and business down the line. Now let's listen to the episode. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast, and I have the distinct honor of introducing our first repeat guest, Adam Parker, who you might remember from episode one. It was episode one. Episode one of the e-commerce content creation podcast, talking all about studio KPIs. Adam, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me back. I guess I didn't ruin my welcome. You didn't. And also we are coworkers. So like <laughs> kind of a captive captive guest. So you're saying situation. you have to talk to me. I have to talk to you. Yeah. Thankfully, it's a pleasure and an honor. And you and I are both now a few months into our careers with Creative Force. How are things going? Good? Do you think I'm doing good? I, th- I think you're doing great. <laughs> is this a review? <laughs> well, this, yeah, this is actually, it, it's a new form of employee review that Thomas and Tyson yeah, are implementing yeah. where every employee comes on the podcast <laughs> and then you tell me how, I, you tell me how I'm doing. <laughs> you're doing great. No, I th- think things are going well. I think, yeah, we've got a lot of good things happening. It was exciting to meet everybody in Spain and see humans start getting back together and see people starting to visit studios again, myself included. So that stuff's all exciting. Definitely. I wanted to have you back on the show to talk about your KPI guide that has gone live. Chapters one through three are now available on the Creative Force website. You can go check them out. It's extremely useful, I think. And the last time that we got together, we just kind of talked about KPIs in general. I've had a chance now to read chapters four through six, the next batch of content for the KPI guide that's going to be released soon. And I wanted to just kind of chat with you a little bit about those chapters. These chapters really focused on reporting and how to be thoughtful in your reporting. You have different reports for your you know, teams on the ground doing the work in the studio versus what would be a visible dashboard in a studio versus what you would share in a senior management meeting or presentation. I came up with a list of questions based on the content of those chapters that I just kind of wanted to ask you about and we could kind of talk through. How does that sound? Sounds great, man. I, also, I feel like we should clarify that these chapters, while we call them chapters, are very digestible. So this is something you can do while you're at work in secret and read it. It's not something that you necessarily need a glass of wine for bedside. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very it's it's very scrollable. The format. It's not like reading a long article in the New Yorker that takes several days. It's- I'm not Susan Orlean. I wish I was. <laughs> 
So let's jump in. Uh, you mentioned in the opening section on reporting for higher management that brevity and accuracy are important things to consider. Can you share some examples of the right way to share like a KPI in like a monthly performance meeting with senior management? What do they like to hear? What do they not like to hear? How should you be prepared? I mean, that's a good question and it depends somewhat on your situation, but I think there's some things that are going to be the same across the board and that's, you're going to be talking to people who are really effing busy. And so you want to really tailor your approach to maximize your time. You might only get, you know, two minutes in a meeting with senior leadership to actually share things with them. So you want to know what they want to see ahead of time. You don't want to come in with some dashboard with nine different reports. You want to know ahead of time, what are they interested in? What do they want to see? And come prepared with that stuff. And also come prepared with it in when we talk about brevity, really simple, easy to digest. We're talking, you know, a couple of key takeaway numbers, a couple of key charts, something like that, that obviously financials are interesting to senior leadership, but you don't want to get too in the weeds with senior leadership. They aren't going to know the details necessarily of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and aren't going to be interested in it, to be quite <laughs> to be quite honest, and nor should they be. So you want to serve things up on a platter. You want to have backup information ready so you can drill down if you're questioned on something or challenged on something. But for the most part, you want to keep it clean and keep it to really key takeaways. You know, folks might walk away with three points from your meeting and you want to tailor what those are to make your team look the best or to get the headcount you need or to show that you're kicking ass. Right. And like you said, context is useful whenever we're trying to understand a chart or a graph or a report like this, but you don't necessarily need to lead with all of the information that you have. Give them what you think that they need and have the rest of that information handy if somebody asks the right questions. This is something I've seen myself do because you know you're passionate about what you do and you you're interested in all the minutia of the studio. But leadership isn't necessarily. And so I've seen myself do this and I've seen other people do it, which is, as you said, to come in with all of the context, to start setting something up with, all right, so to zoom out, you got to know, we started shooting in February. And, <laughs> and the thing, you know, you can just see people glaze over. They're like, what's your cost per shot compared to last year? Period. It was a That's snowy winter day yes, in the exactly. studio. <laughs> it was raining when I was born. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't want yeah. that much context. But if if you are, let's use that same, you know, what was your cost per shot versus last year at this time? If someone does yeah. say, well, why is that different? It'd be great if you had some backup to drill down. Exactly. To. Yeah. Having some answers to I think looking in your charts and your graphs for that disparity and then having like bullet point answers for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one wants to just hear things are more expensive this year or we're producing more this year without some reason, some facts behind it. You know, is it part of a strategy to show more diversity in size or something like that? Is it part of a strategy to show more details or whatever it is? There's probably reasons for disparities. If you really are clear on what your data means, you should be able to give that context in a way that's useful to people. One of the things that really struck me about these forthcoming sections of the KPI guide are what a great job you did in breaking down a report from, for the listener, you really have to see it to kind of understand what I'm saying, but you basically are taking like a reporter and saying like, this is what leaders care about. This is the context underneath it. This is what KPI attaches to. This is where you get the data from to drive this type of report. And these are all example reports that readers of the KPI guide might be interested, but also they're just examples. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, can you walk us through your process of breaking down a report in this way, like spending some time thinking about, I have this information 
or I need to get to this information. Who wants to see it and how? Where does the data come from and what KPIs does this hit? The way that I have it set up, as you said, in the guide is the way that I've traditionally seen it in a lot of larger companies and larger brands, which is starting off with a leadership goal and just a sort of like tangent on leadership goals. They're really important and can also be really, really frustratingly vague. So that's a great combo to have something that's super important and can often be vague. But the reason I say that they're important is because like leadership goals are what keep leaders from being micromanagers, right? They can hire smart people, set a goal, and the ship's going in the right direction. And so also you can be empowered as a studio employee, whatever you do there, to make changes and to act on things that you know are going to ladder up into those goals. So then you can walk into that meeting we were talking about earlier, hit them with that accurate and concise report, and know that what you're showing them is already supporting a leadership goal that they've communicated to the company. So mm. starting off just with that tangent on leadership goals. But a leadership goal can be something like ensure operational efficiency. Cool. What the hell does that mean to a person? How do you measure it? It's super vague. So what I tried to do in the guide was take that and take a studio goal that supports it. And the studio goal for something like ensure operational efficiency could be, let's look at, say, shot counts. Say each set's going to send 150 shots to post-production every day. That's a goal that the studio can set. And if they're hitting that goal within that business, that's operational efficiency. That's supporting that goal. So zooming out a little bit further, or zooming in, I suppose, to the KPI. What's the KPI that you're looking at? Number of shots sent to post per set per day. Hmm. I've also outlined, where do we get this information? What's your data source? It's usually a studio management platform, you know, shameless plug, something like Creative Force or whatever you're using to manage your studio's work. Mm-hmm. So I talk about the data sources where you can get the data to support these KPIs. And then I even drill down into the total weeds. If you want to be a nerd like I do, what are the dimensions that we're looking at? What are we measuring? Date shot, file names, product codes, capture locations, metrics, and then the descriptions of what kind of charts best display this kind of information. We talk in bar charts, we talk in pie charts. We're talking cumulative flow, man. What are we talking? (laughs) We're talking all of them. What I like about (laughs) what what I like about this, Adam, is that when you think about it like this, you're working from the bottom up, which is setting a better foundation for gaining that contextual understanding of the data that you're collecting. And you're not just walking in having seen a pie chart and needing to kind of decipher it on the fly. You have this again intimacy with where this information comes from and all of the context around it because it's sort of a ground up approach. You get this guy who like shows up to meetings and he's got these reports where like no one knows where he makes them and he doesn't share them with anyone before meetings and he pops out and it's some specious accusation (laughs) that he's making. You don't want to be that guy. You know, you want to be someone who knows how you've made the reports that you've made, who knows that you've, you know, socialized the information that you have maybe validated it with other people that it's accurate because, you know, all of these things can be complicated. Let's talk about anomalies. This is an area, especially when you're presenting in front of a group, that you may have to make some assumptions about your data to clear up what the anomaly is and where it comes from. In your opinion, Adam, what's the best approach to avoid making incorrect assumptions about our data? I would say it's a similar approach to many parts in life, which is be humble. Don't assume that you know everything going into this. So talk to other people. You know, don't do this in a silo. When you come up with some reporting and you think it's solid, go talk to someone who's maybe been at the company longer or talk to someone in a leadership role in a casual setting. Validate your data. Get a gut check. See if it's right. So that that right there can probably 
fix about, you know, half of the problems that you'll have out there where someone can say, hey, have you actually taken into account that we're shooting all of our flats with a vendor and we need to take that into account that's missing from your data set that's only internal things, something like that. So just uh, talking to people and being humble about it will solve a lot of problems. And that's true, I think, in life as in data. In addition to that, I think, yeah, just getting those gut checks and, and sharing things and there's going to be less surprises because those same people are going to be the people around the table when you're presenting this information. So grab a consensus if you can ahead of time. And one of the ways that we can you know, smooth out some of these like peaks and valleys in our data is by using averages when we're building some reports, right? So like a seven-day rolling average, a weekly average, whatever we decide to use. How do we know when is the right time to apply an average? How do we know how to analyze our data to find the right perspective is what I'm trying to say. Like, what should we be looking at to say, this is a little bit misleading. Maybe we need to average some of this. Maybe we need to bump this up against something else. How do we find the right perspective on our data points? It depends what you're looking for. And I think there's some things that are going to be all the time. Like you want to be able to report in a fiscal year. You want to be able to report in you know Q1, Q2, Q3, things like that. Because obviously management's going to be concerned with that. And it's going to inform things like budgetary decisions, headcount, stuff like that. But there are other reports that are going to be completely contingent on what it is that you're talking about. So going back to that shot counts by set, you know, just a really easy to understand one. That's something you're looking at probably every day. That's something where it's part of actionable changes during the day. If you see that something's not working out right or someone's you know going too fast, too slow, that's part of reconciling at the end of your day. So that's something that's part of a daily report. Whereas other things like performance of various job functions in the studio, probably something you'd look at monthly. So it really just depends on what the content of the report is and when it makes sense to review it. Hmm. If you want to look at big C changes, you're not going to notice that if you're checking something every day. One of the things that you mentioned in the KPI guide is organizing reports so they are easily viewable by everyone. I have, and I expect some of our listeners have, some personal experience with studio teams being a little bit gun-shy about public real-time reporting. What is your opinion on something like a studio dashboard that is visible to all and updated in real-time? I'm all about it. I've said before... I want a fucking scoreboard in the studio, just like in a sports arena. And I think having your main KPIs up on that board, visible by everyone, would be fantastic. It really, I think, builds a team environment where we're all working towards the same thing. We're all seeing the same data. We're all aware of the same trends. And so I think that it's absolutely a good thing. And it strips away a lot of the silos and the sort of secretiveness and the sort of protectiveness and the sacred cows that exist uh, within any organization, but a lot of times in studios. I'm definitely inclined to agree with you. And I think, you know, applying a little bit of root cause analysis when you're met with resistance to this idea can oftentimes illuminate some deep culture problems in your studio where people feel like this information is attacking them. Because the way that I put it, to my team, when we had this exact conversation at one of the studios that I worked in, is I said, this is not intended to highlight somebody who's doing a bad job. This is intended for us to look at how are we performing as a team and where might we need to put some help? Where might we need to like unblock some things? It's not about saying this person's too slow and this person's a rock star. Definitely celebrate your wins and address your problems. But it's about, like you said, us as a team, are we meeting our goal? I mean, it's, I'm going to stick with a sports analogy, which is hilarious because I don't watch sports ball. But to stick with that analogy, I think you do kind of make a good point there. So like that scoreboard I was, I was ranting and raving about a minute ago, 
that should be things that are team related. You don't want to have a scoreboard up there that's like stylist output by set. That's not going to go over well, and that's not going to really help anyone probably. But things that are like throughput per day as a team or, you know, samples checked through by your styling team, things like that, things that are actual team efforts, I think that's fantastic to display in a public way. And I think you create a feedback loop and a culture of, of continuous improvement that way. It's a principle in the four disciplines of execution, which is that if you expect your team to perform, they need to know what the goal is and where they are in relationship to that goal. There's nothing else really to say about that. You can't say achieve this goal and then never tell them if they've achieved it. <laughs> I love how you always come out of left field with these leadership principles that I don't know about. And, uh, and that's I've, why I like talking to you, Daniel. I've read 10 or 12 pages out of most management books. <laughs> the, is it the first 10 or 12 or did you just it's, sort of flip? I pick them at random. <laughs> <laughs> you just look for whatever yeah. looks the most dog-eared and you're I like, actually, this must be important. A little personal insight, my stack of books has gotten so big of things that I want to read and haven't that I decided to remove most social media apps off of my phone so that I'm forced to read a book instead of wasting my evenings uh, scrolling around. Good for you. If I want to tie it back to our conversation about reporting, I think look at screen time on Apple. I mean, that's a great example of uh, instant reporting, creating a feedback loop in your behavior and making you change and do things differently. Creating an intense sense of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we don't want to do. See, that's, the, that's what we were saying. How if you if you yeah. do if you make reports that are based on an individual, you are going to get some feelings involved. Yeah, there's well, and there's a perspective problem there. That's less of me looking at it as an opportunity for improvement and more as an indictment of past behavior. And that's just a management shift. That's a cultural shift. You know, that's like I can get better at this, or I can beat myself up over my bad day that I had in the studio. There's parts of this, and there isn't really a question here, but I just kind of want to chat about it with you. There are some parts in these chapters where you talk about taking some metrics into account and needing to bump those up against some other metric for a little bit of perspective. So an example of this is, let's say a stylist or photographer is performing super fast in their studio, and that metric in and of itself can look fantastic and look like they're doing a really great job. But then you bump that up against like their rejection rate, and it's astronomical. And you realize now that this stylist or photographer, whoever it is, actually their net impact to the business is more rejections, more rework, more problems. That's a coaching opportunity that you wouldn't see by looking at that one metric alone. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you can't look at anything one dimensionally, right? You know, you have to look at how all these data points intersect. And that really, I think, just comes from knowing your business and knowing where things intersect and what things are important to bounce off each other. Like the example you give is exactly a good one, which is someone's, you know, plowing through work, but all of that work's getting rejected. You can see the same thing in a post production process where, where something like that could be taking place. So throughput is in everything and context is king. Very well put. Context is king. You mentioned in a section around creating alerts, and I liked this idea, and we had a little bit of a back and forth offline about some other ideas that I'd love for you to share on the show that are kind of interesting. Like you've got studio goals, you've got KPIs that support that goal, you've got ways to measure it, you have reporting. Now we can start to build some automations that let us know like, hey, something's going on here. You shared a couple of examples of that with me offline. Would you mind talking about them on the show? Yeah, I think once you start actually getting your data dialed in and you do have these reports, that's just the logical next step, right? Is I don't want to go necessarily searching for this data, searching on a dashboard and like digging through things. Like have it come to me when it's important. Move the mountain to Moses. A good example of this would be if you have a report of every product you're responsible for that is due in the next two weeks and does not have a sample checked in for it. 
it's a veritable hot list, right? These are things that are due in two weeks and we don't have samples for. Hmm. So trigger that report to send to your sample team every morning or every you know Tuesday, whatever works for your team. But they're getting this actionable report that's an alert of things that they need to go do. Another example of an alert would be if you have a little bit more precise reporting and you have an estimated duration of work attached to products, you could say that shirts take me eight minutes to shoot. And so you've got a duration attached to what you're shooting and you're creating a job, say, for a day with 60 products attached to it. And you can see that that duration just spirals out of what's actually possible in your workday. If you have sophisticated reporting, you could get an alert saying duration for this is 10 and a half hours. And you can either choose to, you know, keep the team overtime or separate it into two days, add some more product, make it two days, whatever. It's actionable. Right. But setting up those alerts based on sophisticated reporting is kind of what I was getting at there. Adam, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I know we kind of forced you to do this a little bit, but it was a pleasure to get to talk to you about these next chapters of the KPI guide. And I can't wait to hear what our readers think of the next chapters. I think they're really valuable. I think people will absolutely be able to use them. And I'm all about trying to share actionable information with people in our industry. So it's always good to be here. All right, man. Until next time. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And many thanks to Adam Parker for his time and expertise. As always, check our show notes for relevant links and information, including where to get the latest on Adam's KPI guide. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara and Adam Parker. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Mm-hmm.